Our family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Voltaire once said, Appreciation is a wonderful thing. It makes what is excellent in others belong to us as well. Good evening, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us this evening. This is normally a call-in format, except for tonight. It's not. (laughs) We're normally caller-friendly, but we just want you to listen to a story tonight. So, Jonathan, what's the subject, and where are we going with this? Well, Rick, our question is, are you dreaming of the right Christmas? Uh And our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. So the title was, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? Kind of reminds me of this. Everybody knows that's Bing Crosby, and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. But our title is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? And Christmas has come. The hustle and the bustle, the lights, the music, the trees, the ornaments, and the garland. Christmas has come. Santa and the reindeer and the elves and Frosty and movies and presents and gift wrapping cards. Christmas has come. Whether you feel you can say Merry Christmas or just Happy Holidays... We are all wishing one another well to those around us, for it is the season of good cheer and smiles. Yes, Christmas has come. Family and dinner and cakes and pies and cookies and giving and receiving and football and dressing in new clothes. Yes, Christmas has come. It has certainly made an indelible mark on us yet again. But you know, Christ has come. The prophecy said that he would, and God's plan said that it was time. Christ has come. He was born to live so that he could die and redeem all of humanity. Christ has come. His gift was simple, yet it was the greatest and most powerful gift that could ever, that would ever, be given to this world. Christ has come. And as a result, all of the human race has the opportunity for eternal life. Christ has come. The question is, has he made his indelible mark on you? 
Folks, tonight the story of Christmas will be a little bit different. Rather than simply telling the story of the birth of Jesus, we will instead focus on the simple concept of gifts. We will focus on the lives of some of those who surrounded Jesus' birth and see what gifts they received as a result of their experiences and then see how those gifts are given to us and then see how we can take those gifts and we can pay them forward. After all, that's what Jesus did. Each segment will bring another gift. But first, a verse of a carol to remind us of the right Christmas. God rest ye merry gentlemen, and nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, Christ our Savior, on Christmas Day, to save us all from Satan's power when we were astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Our first gift is the gift of providence. Providence is the overruling power of God applying itself in the everyday life of those who serve him. Sometimes God's providence comes to us and we don't see it. We don't recognize it because we are so used to seeing life the way we think it should be seen that we cannot wrap our heads around what God is telling us and what God is providing for us. For Zacharias and Elizabeth, this was the case. Zacharias and Elizabeth were chosen to be the parents of John the Baptist. The two of them were very faithful, and the scriptures say that they were righteous in the sight of God. Zacharias served the people as a priest of God, and yet despite their faithfulness, his wife was ever childless. So as they grew older, their hopes and their prayers for children waned. Yet they went on with their lives, humbly serving their God, until one day the providence of God suddenly began to manifest itself while Zacharias was serving in the temple. We read in Luke, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And while the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside, at the hour of the incense offering. Zacharias was doing the job that God had providentially arranged for him to do. He was serving alone in the temple, and the people were outside in prayer until he should emerge. You see, Zacharias needed to hear what God was about to reveal. And what better way to get his attention than for him to be in service, alone, and in a holy place. Continuing in Luke, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, 
and you will give him the name John. We welcome all comments or questions. Even if you disagree with us, call us at 866-985-FOR-ALL and leave a voicemail because we're not taking live calls. Not for tonight. Uh, That's an unusual circumstance. We just want you to sit back and listen to the story. Our next soundbite is a dramatization done by our friends, the skit guys of Elizabeth and Zacharias's Elizabeth, who was Zacharias's wife. And she is reacting to his story and to his silence that the angel of God struck him with. Uh, Now, folks, put yourself in her place. Imagine he goes home and his wife wants to know how how his days of service went. Now, remember, he can't speak. This is actually quite amusing. Let's listen. What do you mean you can't speak? You put that down and talk to me, Zachariah. You went to the temple to burn incense, and now you can't speak. Because you doubted. (laughs) What does that even mean? You doubted what an angel told you. Oh, now it's all making sense. <laughs> Are you feeling all right? Huh? Maybe you should sit down. Oh, I should sit down. Listen, whatever game you're playing, I really wanted to stop, Zachariah. It isn't funny. This isn't funny, Zachariah. The scripture continues. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back back to the Lord their God as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This was God's providence, revealed in a very heavy dose. How hard it would have been to absorb such news. How hard it would have been to believe such news, such Providence was going to work through you. How hard it would have been to go home and tell your wife. Let's go back to the skit guys and Elizabeth and Zachariah. An angel told you this. The angel said that our prayers have been heard. That you, my love, will bear a son. That we will be filled with joy and gladness. And that many will rejoice at his birth. like Elijah. 
he will prepare our people for the Lord. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes God's providence changes us in an instant. In this case, the news was so overwhelming that Zacharias doubted and was struck mute as a result, which created an obvious communication challenge. But Zacharias' speechlessness also created a poignant reminder of God's providence and his will. Here are the scriptures that exactly describe Zacharias' encounter with the angel and the aftermath. We continue reading in Luke. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. When you think about it, God's providence in our lives is God's power in our lives. In the case of Elizabeth and Zacharias, this blessed power in their faithful lives was necessary for the good of the people and most importantly, for the bringing of the Messiah. It is a humbling experience to see God's power manifest in your life. Amen, brother. <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, I'm too old to be a mother. And you, you can't even speak. Oh, you can't even speak until he's bored. <laughs> oh, that might not be the worst thing. I can't wait to tell my cousin Mary. Continuing in Luke, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. God's providence is a gift. It was a gift to Zacharias and Elizabeth after a 400-year period of silence from God to Israel. God's providence accomplished many things. It blessed Zacharias and Elizabeth. It reignited hope among the people. It gave Israel the opportunity to be properly prepared for their coming Messiah. We observe 
God's providence to them. So now, what about, what about the gift of his providence to us? We read in Romans, and we know that God loved God to those who are called according to his purpose. How often do we recognize and unwrap the providence of God in our lives? How often do we bask in the utter beauty of his care for us? Even when life seems difficult or unjust or too rushed or, 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 or too complicated or not understandable, remember that for Elizabeth, there was a measure of disgrace that she felt in her childlessness. But the providence of that barren state opened the door for the providence of God's blessing. How do we accept the gift of God's providence and pay it forward to others? That is really what Jesus did. So, Jonathan, as we begin to wrap up this segment, we are focusing on the powerful, powerful providence of God in the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the point, the question is, it's a great gift, okay? So it's a great gift for them. But it's also, it's also a great gift for us. What do we do with it? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? Coming up, God's providence is a powerful gift. What about the extraordinary and life-changing gift? of trust. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern. That means we're on right now. And uh, we're not taking calls, but you can send us comments via chat board, via the app, or email. Our second gift is the gift of trust. Faith is the foundation for true trust. Faith puts us in a position to be able to see beyond our normal limits. Trust is the real, practical, and sold-out changing of our lives to conform to those things which faith has revealed. The power of providence can open unthinkable doors of blessing in the case of Elizabeth and Zacharias, as it just did. This couple was beyond childbearing years and had faithfully served God in their barrenness without complaint and without hesitation. They accepted their disadvantaged state and moved on. The providence of John the Baptist being born to them was a door of blessing they thought to have been sealed shut. It was open to them because God opened it in an unimagined and glorious way. Providence is a gift. The providence surrounding the birth of Jesus would present itself again and again in different forms, 
and to different people. Joseph would be tried sorely by God's providence for for what he was to face was not just merely the opening of a sealed door of opportunity that was believed to have passed by. No. Joseph would face a mountain of disgrace and doubt that only extreme trust in God could traverse. We read in Matthew, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So our gift for this segment is the gift of trust. And to grasp the gift of trust, let's listen to another dramatization by the skit guys. This time, it's a dramatization of Joseph's dream. So what you're going to hear is all inside the dream of Joseph. While many dreamed of the day this king would come, it began as a real-life nightmare for one man. A good man. God's lot cast upon him. Joseph. Joseph. I promise you, Joseph, I am telling you the truth. I'm not saying you don't believe it. I'm just saying... I don't know if I do. So, what are you saying? Take her as your wife. Take her as your wife. But she's pregnant! I haven't been with her! The baby's not mine! Take Mary as your wife. I can't do this! I don't... I don't want to hurt her. But I... I can't. The dilemma that Joseph faced would have been untenable for a devout and upstanding Jewish man of that time. For the covenant of marriage was in those days truly sacred. To hear Mary's story of being miraculously pregnant seemed to be, to say the very least, a far-fetched tale spun in, in desperation by a young woman who was searching for a way out of some deep trouble. Every logical thought of Joseph was bent toward what he thought was the hard and inevitable solution. The angel in the dream continued. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Not all this took place to fulfill. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall bear, be with a child, and shall bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Let's go back to our dramatization of this dream. And now the angel is beginning to make sense to Joseph. I'll divorce her. Joseph, you are a descendant of David. Your ancestors have taken great steps of faith. And now it is time for you to step out. Take Mary as your wife. But the baby is... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It is prophecy fulfilled. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. God's providence can come to us, but to accept it, to work with it in our lives, requires us to step up to the opportunity, and that is an exercise of faith. Joseph needed his faith to be engaged, and the angel did this through the quoting of prophecy. God's providence also requires us to step out of our comfortable and imperfect human thinking and actions to apply it. And this is trust. Once Joseph's faith was focused, he could now begin to see the tenuous pathway of trust laid before his feet. Trust is not only not easy, it feels dangerous and vulnerable. Trust, then, sometimes comes to us disguised as foolishness and immaturity. For Joseph, these would have been consequences that he would have had to absorb. Obedience and trusting in God is that way. On the outside, there are unsettled circumstances and persecution. But on the inside, there is blessing and peace. Continuing in Matthew. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Emmanuel. Messiah. A dream, a heavenly visitation, and what was distressing became a blessing. A blessing that would challenge Joseph's faith, demand every ounce of his character, and forever alter the course of his life and yours. This was but the beginning of Joseph's journey of trust in God's providence. He would be called upon three more times to protect Mary and the child Jesus by way of three more angelic visits in dreams that would direct him to act in specific ways. Joseph each time would trust these clear instructions and thereby preserve the lives of Mary and Jesus so the will of God for the salvation of the human race could be fulfilled. Joseph 
grew into a life of trust and was thereby blessed. Remember, trust is an outgrowth of faith, and when we allow our faith to flourish, then trust can be unleashed in our lives. We'll never be the same. That's the way Joseph did it, and we should do the same. Trust truly was a special gift to Joseph. We see how he accepted that gift and used it to bless those around him. Trust is a gift to us as well. And as such, we should, with all things being equal, be anxious to unwrap that gift and put it to use. The thing is, all things are not equal because we are attempting to apply unequivocal trust in God to our broken and sinful lives. The fact is, trust is hard. Sometimes when we are called upon to trust, we react with excuses, with what we think is rational thinking to direct us away from God's providence. How do we begin to live like Joseph and adopt the trust in God's providence as our navigator. Thanks for listening to Christian Questions Live. We're not taking calls this evening, but you can ask your questions and leave your comments at ChristianQuestions.com. The Apostle Paul helps us to understand how to be trusting in God's will and how to pay that trust forward as well. First, Paul tells us that other people cannot 
overrun our personal trust in God's power. We read from Romans. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Second, the Apostle Paul tells us that outside circumstances cannot overwrite our decision to trust in Jesus' sacrifice. Continuing in Romans, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Now third, the Apostle Paul tells us that nothing, nothing earthly or spiritual can overcome our call to trust in God's plan through Jesus. Continuing in Romans, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're talking about trust and what better hymn, what better Christmas carol and O Come All Ye Faithful. It doesn't say O Come All Ye Trustful, but you get the idea. <laughs> Let us come to adore Jesus and to do as Joseph did, and that is to trust in God's providence in such a way that those around us can truly see God with us. After all, when you think about it, Truly and honestly, that's exactly what Jesus did. That's what he taught us to do with the trust that he had 
and the trust that he gave to us. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? Coming up, with providence and trust in place, what role will Mary's gift play and how can we pay it forward? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? We're live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern. That means we're on right now. We're not taking calls this evening, but uh, wherever you are on the planet, listen to our episodes and interact with us on the Christian Questions app. Download now in your Google or App Store by searching Christian Questions Radio. This brings us to our third gift, and this gift is privilege. When we are able to recognize the providence of God in our lives, and when we can truly trust that providence, God can now give us privilege. To have privilege is to be chosen to play a role in the unfolding of God's plan. There are many roles to be played, ranging from the mighty roles of authority given to the apostles, all the way down to the quiet prayer warriors who support and encourage God's work. To have privilege is to be blessed. Mary was given an extraordinary, unique privilege in carrying out of God's plan. For Messiah needed to come into the world and therefore needed a mother. No other mother in the history of the human race would have her experiences and life. Mary truly was privileged. In this next dramatization by the skit guys about Mary, listen, listen to the sense and awe and privilege that is portrayed by the actress who plays Mary. This is staged kind of like an interview. So Mary is, 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 is reflecting in this dramatization on her personal experience. As long as I can remember, we'd been waiting for the Messiah to come for us. My family, our tribe, our whole nation. I always knew that he'd come, but... Well, let's be honest, it's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And everybody knows that not much good comes from Nazareth, never has. I thought for sure that Angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. But if that's what God wanted, well, who was I to tell him he was wrong? Joseph, God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have had me sent away. He could have even had me killed. But he just never broke the promise to marry me. We really, we really do not know anything about Mary before her angelic visit, except that she was a faithful God-fearing Jewish girl. 
we will see that the depth of her faith can be understood by her response to the angel's message. Mary certainly grew to understand the providence of God. She certainly grew to have full faith and trust in God. And she therefore was blessed with great privilege by God. We read in Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering, what kind of salutation was this? Talk about an unexpected greeting. I mean, how do you process something like that? Let's go back to the awe and privilege of Mary. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to ride by his side. Even with heartburn and bloated cankles and nine months of pregnancy behind me. <laughs> you know those women who try different things to induce labor, like going on frequent walks or eating spicy foods? What they should do is go on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem. Because not long after I got there, and I'd never done this myself, but even I knew it was time. And with every wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help me. And that I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the familiarity of home. With privilege comes challenge, discomfort, and even fear. For standing up as a chosen vessel of the will of God is never an easy task. So, when we are given privilege by God, we can also expect experiences that provoke the growth of our spiritual minds. For Mary, this spiritual growth would come fast and furiously and would require all of her dedication. We continue in Luke. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? From unexpected greeting to impossibility. For Mary, great privilege came at great cost. But when Jesus finally came, I forgot all of that, though. just wrapped him in cloths and tried to make the most comfortable bed I could for him with the only thing I had, which was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. 
angel had told me about. My heart was so full, I couldn't even find words big enough to express it. For Mary, the greatest privilege of her life began with the greatest challenge of her life. For she would be miraculously pregnant, an entirely unexplainable event, and not yet married, an entirely scandalous event. This is how God's providence always manifests itself, through great faith and trust, so that great privilege will always be understood to be great personal blessing. Continuing in Luke, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. For nothing shall be impossible with the Lord. Privilege changed Mary, for it showed her how to see and believe the impossible. Privilege gave her life a laser focus, and it made her an unmistakable part of the greatest story that was ever told. I know I'm not the first young mother to bring a child into this world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, my Redeemer. I knew that he would change everything because he had already changed me. God's gift of privilege will elevate a life from average and ordinary to usable and pliable in God's hands. Mary accepted being pliable in the filled with humility and faithfulness. What can we learn from Mary's acceptance of her privilege? How can we recognize the privilege of our lives, accept and absorb it, and then pay that privilege forward?
to our live listeners right now. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, or comments. We're not taking calls this evening, but you can leave us a voicemail at 866-985-4255 or leave us a comment at ChristianQuestions.com. Let's look at what Mary did soon after being given such honor. Continuing in Luke. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. You know, if if we just pause a moment and think about the incredible events that happened in the life of Elizabeth, and how this old woman who was beyond childbearing years suddenly was pregnant, and, and the joy that she had, and she went into, into seclusion for five months. And then this really young woman, on the complete other end of the spectrum, was pregnant, and nobody knew how except Mary, because she was told by the angel. And the two of them were related, and the two of them came together, and the two of them were able to, to, to have this fellowship of miracles. I mean, you think about the fellowship of miracles that these two women experienced as one of them carried the forerunner, John the Baptist, and the other carried the Messiah. What a privilege, Rick. What a privilege. I cannot think of a situation where two women talking about their pregnancies would be more passionate, more joyous, and more hopeful, not only for them, but for what it meant for everyone everywhere for all time so mary sought out elizabeth another honored servant of god and the other and the two strengthened one another this truly is an example for us to follow we also should seek out others who are called according to god's purpose and privilege and seek to fellowship and encourage and strengthen one another for the trials of privilege require all of our strength for all of our days. We all wonder at the privilege given us. Cold and weary With a baby inside And I wonder What I've done We all wander at the privilege given us, as we wonder we also ought to heed and help the brotherhood. 
For as Jesus showed us, by serving them, we are honoring God and lifting our mutual privilege up before Him in gratitude. Do you wonder as you watch my face if a wiser one should have had my Finally, our privilege should keep us separate from the world so the world can see it and they can eventually come to glorify God through Jesus. We read in 1 Peter, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. So, folks, as we come to an end of this first hour, there's so much more to tell in the story of the birth of Jesus and the gifts that surrounded his birth. Folks, we love hearing from our listeners. Let us know what you're thinking about today's topic. Suggest future topics. Start a conversation with us at ChristianQuestions.com. And make sure you download our app. Search Christian Questions in your app store. We are looking forward to bringing you a new program every week. Tonight, it's all about the birth of Jesus It's all about the gifts that were given to those that surrounded the birth of Jesus and what those gifts can mean to us and for us and how we can pass them forward. We'll be back in just a few minutes, but until then, for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, think about it. family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Alan Cohen once said, Appreciation is the highest form of prayer. For it acknowledges the presence of good everywhere you shine the light of your thankful thoughts. Good evening. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a very different perspective. And Jonathan, tonight's subject is a very special subject. It is, Rick, and our question is, are you dreaming of the right Christmas? And our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 10, Verses 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Freely you received, freely give. And really, that's what it's about tonight, folks. It's about the gifts that we have received by observing the lives of those around Jesus. So sit back, relax, 
and enjoy the story of the birth of Jesus from a very different perspective. From providence to trust to privilege, these gifts all work together for the purpose of not only fulfilling God's word and will, but also the fulfilling of the lives of those whom he has chosen, those several individuals whom he has positioned for extraordinary blessing. As we have been looking at the Christmas story, we begin to realize that we ourselves are in the position to receive these same precious gifts. And what are we to do with such gifts? Simple. Pay them forward. Share their value and power that God might be praised. We now introduce the familiar context of our next gift. From Luke. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Our next gift is the gift of hope, divine hope. Hope is the breath that brings us through today and helps us to embrace tomorrow, for without hope, we merely exist. Without hope, the mundane activities of today are merely fillers of time and fulfillers of responsibility. With hope, our mundane activities become a pathway towards something bigger, something greater. Such hope was bestowed in a most uncanny fashion upon a group of shepherds the night that Jesus was born. As we examine the gift of their hope, let us first understand who they were and what their rank was in society. The shepherds live in a gypsy encampment outside Bethlehem. They are a shunned minority. Because of their profession, they are unable to observe the orthodox ritual of washings. Consequently, they are considered unclean. Because they are untutored in the law, they are considered ignorant. Because they are without roots in the community, they are considered suspect. 
This knot of shepherds on the fringe of Jewish society spends the night atop a stone tower, a couple of them watching the flocks, while the others huddle around a fire, catching what sleep they can. Eusebius writes that this watchtower stood about a thousand paces from Bethlehem. Jewish tradition adds that the tower overlooked a special flock of sheep. Sheep set aside for sacrifices. These lowly men were doing their seemingly mundane jobs as they always did. Continuing in Luke. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Hope was about to come. The psychology of hope can, on the surface, appear confusing, for hope seems to more easily take root in the hearts of those who quietly live and work without much of a way of advantage, rather than those whose lives are built around comfort and ease. The shepherds who were given the longed-for hope of the Messiah's birth were this hard-working type, and therefore they were well-positioned to receive such hope. These particular shepherds had special responsibilities with their particular flocks. To qualify as temple sacrifices, the animals had to be perfect, without spot or blemish. They could have no broken bones and no scarred skin. One fall into a ravine, one encounter with a predator, rendered the sheep unfit for the altar, dropping its premium as a sacrifice to the price of mere commodities, the going rate for wool, leather, and meat. To ensure a profit, the sheep had to be protected. That meant watching them day and night. This night, as the temperature drops, the men take refuge in the warmth of their sheepskin coats. Above them, the night is clear, the moon full and bright. The sky is studded with stars, and the air pungent with the scent of sheep. Except for a few faraway bleats, the hillside is quiet. The fire is also quiet, the popping yellow blaze now whispering orangely among the embers. On top of the tower, all that can be heard is an occasional crackle of conversation. This is Christian Questions, your weekly live podcast to help you think about the Bible like you never have before. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Continuing in Luke. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified and frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. These shepherds simply and joyfully responded to the message for the hope that they had seen was powerful, it was divine, and it was sure. This is a good lesson for us in managing hope. 
when it seems bigger than our lives can fit. Again, the skit guys capture the doubt element in this next very humorous dramatization. In this next dramatization, we have two shepherds, they've heard the angel, and now they're arguing about going to see the Christ child. Yes, they're arguing about it. Look, okay, the angels are there, okay? That, that's what they do. That's why we call them guarding angels. No, 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 it's guardian angels, guardian. Tomato, tomato, who cares? Why are we still standing here? Someone needs to watch the sheep. You know it, I know it, and the sheep know it. Sheep don't feel. You can't prove that. Fine, there's only one way to solve this. Rock parchment shears, loser stays with the sheep. Rock, Rock parchment shears, shoot! Rock parts machine shoot! Rock parts machine shoot! I don't know. I just think only the skit guys would think of uh, dramatizing it that way. Sometimes when we are overwhelmed by such hope, we can begin to doubt and wonder and second guess ourselves. For hope to truly take effect in our lives, we must remember providence, trust, and privilege. For hope stacked upon these things has a sure foundation. Back to the skit guys trying to work out their dilemma. Today. Today. In the town of David, a savior will be born unto you. Right. Why did the angel say that? Why did the angel tell a bunch of lowly shepherds about the coming of the Messiah. I mean, why us? I don't know why us. But they did. So maybe, maybe this Messiah didn't just come for, for people that matter. Maybe he came. Maybe he came for people like us. Which is all the more reason why we need to go. I know. And I want to. It's just a lot to take in. It's been a crazy night. Let's go back to the account in Luke. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as he had been told them. The shepherds courageously delivered hope, but it is not always that easily done. Did you ever notice how hope always seems to be shadowed by fear? Wherever hope truly Godly hope arises. Fear lurks in the background, looking to derail it. Let's go to the skit guys on this just one more time. I, I for one, cannot not go see this Messiah. Okay? So if what you're saying is that I, instead of seeing the man who's going to change everything, have to stay here and sheep sit, well, that just won't work for me. You're right. You're right. Before we go, I'm not trying to nitpick, but you said cannot not, and that's a double negative. It is. 
Promise me when we go meet the Messiah, you cannot not talk like that. Promise me you won't talk like that to the Messiah. Promise me. Promise me. He's a baby. He's in swaddling clothes. I don't think he's going to care how we do. Mm. Okay, fine. Me talk pretty. Let's go. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, I love those guys. Go ahead. Even with our quirks, our fears, and our shortcomings, God can still use us as vessels of hope. We carry the message of the gospel, the very same message that those shepherds were given that very night, and we carry it with the advantage of having seen the record of God's plan moving forward for thousands of years. Pay that hope forward. Be a shepherd of hope. Be a shepherd of hope. What a great thought. So, so, Jonathan, let, let's take a moment and let's move forward a little bit further with the idea of us opening that gift of hope and being shepherds of hope, just like those lowly shepherds were. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which was given to us. So, in our attempt, in our thoughts, in our work, to be shepherds of hope. This Roman scripture takes the gift given to the shepherds and it explains how it can work in our lives. It says we've been justified, we've been made right by faith. And because of this faith, we exalt in hope of the glory of God. There is great hope with that faith, with that justification, because it doesn't come from me, it doesn't come from you, it comes from Jesus. And so then it goes into the process. Tribulation. And so far, Jonathan, every single individual we've talked about in this program tonight had tribulation. They were tested. They were pressed. They were, they were challenged in ways they had never been before. Even those two shepherds in that little skit, you know, with the rock parchment shears, they were challenged to do something <laughs> that was beyond them. So, but it's tribulation that brings perseverance and it's perseverance that brings proven character and it's proven character that brings hope 
We've got to go through the process to get to the hope. And once we get to the hope, the scripture says, it doesn't disappoint. It doesn't let us down. It doesn't say, okay, you're done. It gives us something greater. We can be true shepherds of hope. And I think that is really what our lives are supposed to be all about in the service of God through Jesus at this time as we look at the birth of Jesus. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? Coming up, what can be added to hope to make it even more powerful? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern. That means we're on right now. And we are not taking calls, but you can message us on our app, or you can email us at ChristianQuestions.com. Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com. Folks, the gifts that we have received so far can only be described by looking at the divine grace of God and accepting the fact that He He loves His human creation without measure and has proven it through His plan for restoration. As we have seen, the path to that restoration runs through the lives of many specific people who were blessed with God's providence, blessed with opportunity to trust Him, blessed with unspeakable privilege to be part of His plan, and blessed with the unique hope of the gospel message. We, like these chosen ones, have been freely given these gifts And we, like these chosen ones, are charged with not only opening them, but spreading their value to the world. You know, there is such wisdom in spreading the value of God's gifts to the world. The next gift is the gift of revealed truth. This gift of revealed truth is unique, for it is rarely ever given to any who have not been in a long and diligent search for God's revealed word. Revealed truth is usually given to those whose lives will be spent in the furthering of that truth 
and it is generally not given to those who would merely appreciate and cherish it. Simeon was such a man as Jonathan just described. In the book of Luke, the very next event recorded after the birth of Jesus is the context of Simeon receiving revealed truth. So, Jesus had been born, now what? Think about it. How are you supposed to act towards and care for him as a helpless infant? Joseph and Mary knew that he was the Messiah, but had not been given any special dispensation as to specifics to care for him. So, they cared for him the only way they knew how. They followed the rites of the Jewish law. And Rick, it was with lots of love also. Absolutely. Back to Luke. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Our first lesson in understanding revealed truth is to realize that divine truth is usually more fully understood while seeking or doing other things that the divine will has uh, designed. Being in the temple and following the law were sure signs of putting God first. The opportunity for revealed truth was now present for Simeon. An old man in the temple waiting in the court waiting for the answer to a promise all at once he sees them in the morning sunshine a couple coming carrying a baby now that I've held him in my arms my life can come to an end let your servant And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. Simeon was righteous and devout. This brings us to our second this brings us to our second lesson in understanding revealed truth. 
truth is not only apt to be revealed where God's will is being followed, but truth is apt to be revealed by those whose character has already been shaped and proven so they are capable of bearing the burden of revealed truth with maturity and with grace. Simeon was ready for such a burden. Continuing, Then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon's humility and passion are made plain. This brings us to our third lesson on understanding revealed truth. All revealed truth is built upon the foundation of God's previously revealed truth. Simeon gently cradles the newborn Messiah in his arms, immediately praises God, and boldly proves the truth he is about to speak by the power of prophetic word. Mary and the baby come, and in her hand five shekels, the price to redeem her baby boy. The baby softly cooing, nestled in her arms, Simeon takes the boy and starts to the joy, the passion, and the fulfillment that Simeon would have experienced. These emotions spilled over into the lives of Joseph and Mary. Continuing, and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. For a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from my, many hearts may be revealed. Joseph and Mary are enlightened and perhaps cautioned. This brings us to our fourth lesson in revealed truth. Revealed divine truth expands the understanding of those around you. While Jesus' parents knew that he was the Messiah, they had not been able to begin to understand the scope of what that meant. Simeon broadened their prophetic and their spiritual thinking. Now's the time to take him in your arms. Your life will 
You're listening to Christian Questions Live. Uh, we're not taking calls right now, but you can contact us and leave a question or leave a message at ChristianQuestions.com. The gift of truth is revealed for us as well. We just need to decide to be in the godly places to be able to see it coming. We need to develop our characters enough toward Christ-likeness to be able to bear its weight. While Simeon was privileged to reveal truth, Anna was privileged to expand it. The scripture continues. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phaol, in the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow at the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna was blessed, was a blessed vessel of revealed truth as well, for she was cut from the same cloth as Simeon. Our final lesson in revealed truth is simple. There's always just enough revealed truth provided by God for whatever the time and circumstances require. God uses revealed truth to build great power into our hope. The world does not want The world does not want or appreciate these gifts. It would rather replace them with the constant clamor of holidays and glitter. We must choose to protect our most precious Gifts. I made this same mistake before. Too many malls, too many stores. December traffic, Christmas rush. It brings me till I push and shove. Children are crying while mothers are trying to photograph Santa and sleigh. Shopping and What can I say? I need a silent night, a holy night, to hear an angel voice through the chaos and the noise. I need a midnight clear, a little peace right here, to end this crazy day with a silent God, in his wisdom, has given us the sacred history of his plan to always go back to so we can be reminded of the beauty and simplicity and clarity of the gifts that he has given to us and illustrated through so many of his faithful ones. This actually represents another gift part of the gift of revealed truth. It's the gift 
of legacy, the gift of a powerful pathway laid out before us that has been trodden by so many. So, Jonathan, as we begin to wrap up this particular segment, when somebody asks you now, so what'd you get for Christmas? Boy, the gifts that we can describe are so unlike anything else that we would have described before. Because, well, I got the gift of providence. Let me explain that to you. Let me tell you about a guy named Zechariah. I got the gift of trust. Let me explain that to you. Let me tell you about a guy named Joseph. I got the gift of privilege. Let me tell you about a young woman named Mary. I got the, 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 the gift of hope. Let's talk about shepherds, lowly, humble shepherds, given the greatest message that anybody could ever be given to spread and proclaim. And then finally, this last, last gift, revealed truth. Imagine the thought of saying, we have revealed truth. Well, imagine it, because through God's word, in God's way, in God's time, right here, right now, we do have revealed truth. We can see and we can understand his plan. And when we see it and we understand it, that gives us that gift of legacy that says, this is really, really, really for real. It is unbelievable. What would you get for Christmas? Different answer now. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? Coming up, with so many gifts that are so freely given, what can we possibly give in return? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Are You Dreaming of the Right Christmas? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern. That means we're on right now. Though we're not taking any calls, we'd love to hear from you at ChristianQuestions.com. 
So Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, it really is quite humbling to take a moment and look back over the gifts that we have received tonight. Think about it. We began with providence. Providence is the overruling power of God applying itself in every day life of those who serve him. Our second gift is trust. Trust is the real, practical, and sold-out changing of our lives to conform to those things which faith has revealed. Our third gift is privilege. To have privilege is to be chosen to play a role in the unfolding of God's plan. Our fourth gift is the gift of hope, divine hope. Hope is the breath that brings us through today and helps us to embrace tomorrow. For without hope, we merely exist. Our fifth gift is the gift of revealed truth. Revealed truth is usually given to those whose lives will be spent in the furthering of that truth, and it is generally not given to those who would merely appreciate and cherish it. We see, we have seen how these gifts build upon one another to produce a structure that is solid, sound, and true. All right, so now what happens? What do we receive or what do we give based on this solid structure? Responsibility. Spiritual responsibility is not only being accountable for each and every gift received, it is being dependable enough to produce results with each and every gift. Responsibility. Responsibility. Responsibility cannot be better represented than by Jesus himself. First of all, the previous gifts were all given to others to support his coming as the Messiah. So he's responsible for them being given. Second, Jesus himself received these gifts, and with them he accomplished the greatest and most important mission that the human race has ever or will ever see. Bye. 
As we discuss the gift of responsibility, we start with Jesus as a child. Jesus showed us early in his life that he had recognition of his responsibility gift. We read in Luke, And when he became twelve, they went up according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. To recognize responsibility is to act on it. And Jesus acted as fully as a 12-year-old boy could act. Continuing, and he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Do you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Do we, do we recognize the gift of responsibility that we are given in our privilege as Christians, even if we are very young in Christ? forward to age 30 and Jesus begins his ministry. When he is of age, Jesus applies himself to his gift of responsibility and he does it without reservation. We read in Mark, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, you are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Do we, do we appreciate the gift of responsibility that we are blessed with? Do we fully and without reservation take the steps necessary to fully engage our awesome gift of Christian responsibility.
you know, you have to adore him for the responsibility that he took and for what he did. And for three and a half years, Jesus walked the walk and fulfilled that which he had come here to do. He completed the work of his responsibility to the very last detail. We read in Matthew, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put on his own garments and led him away to be crucified. As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simeon, whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. True praise to God is to fully use that which he, which God has given you. So the question for us is how far along are we on our walk toward the completion of our own gift of responsibility? We saw what Jesus did. We saw how Jesus acted. We saw how he fulfilled it completely and fully and without reservation. What for us, what is yet undone? What has yet to be attained? I know you came to rescue me This baby boy would grow to be A man who one day died for me and you My sins would drive the nails in you That rugged cross was my cross too Providence, trust, privilege, hope, revealed truth, responsibility. These are the gifts that the lives of those surrounding the birth of Jesus gave to us. These are the gifts that we are now to use to praise and honor our Father through Jesus. We read in the Psalms. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord and all his people. As we begin to wind this down, as we begin to look at the ending of our program this evening, one of the things we want to truly remember is taking these gifts and applying them 
and seeing it as God's will for us. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all nations rise You know, and that's really what it's got to be. Glory to the newborn king. I mean, what else can you say? What else can you feel? What else can you do? But to look at that and you hear those words and you hear the lessons and you hear the experiences that we've talked about tonight and you say, this is something that is beyond any human experience that we could ever imagine. Let us look upon this Christmas season with true joy. Let us dream of the right Christmas. You know, we've got to be dreaming of the right Christmas and all that it means. Let us take the inspiration of these gifts with thanksgiving, open them and apply them to fulfill our lives and to bless those around us. Let us apply the gifts that we've been given with our whole hearts without reservation. And I'll tell you, for Jonathan and I, really, there's no better way to give glory to the newborn king than to spend tonight talking about the circumstances that surrounded his birth, talking about how powerful the experiences of those around him were, and the incredible gifts they were given, and how they used them with such faithfulness. And folks, the point is that those gifts can also be gifts for us as well. Why don't we... Stop in our tracks, look at what's been given to us and say, you know what? My life is better because of Jesus. Let me take the gifts and let me pay it forward. You know why? 
because that's what Jesus did. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this evening. Uh, We truly are blessed to be able to share this particular story with you. And folks, just remember, we love hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's podcast. Give us suggestions for future topics. Start a conversation with us at ChristianQuestions.com. Make sure you download our app. Search Christian Questions in your app store. And we look forward to bringing you a brand new program next week. For Jonathan and Rick, please take the goodness of what Christmas is truly about. Carry it with you every day. Take those gifts and pay them forward. May God bless you. Till next week. Think about it.